0: We want to welcome you to this Father's Day, and we're glad that you're here. We are in a series called Contagious Christianity where we're talking about personal, practical evangelism. And we started by saying last week that the, the church, the primary mission of the church is to seek and to save the lost. And we do that, we have to start from a place of loving the lost, because if we, if we love the lost we most certainly will seek them. But if we don't love the lost, we'll find any other reason not to seek them. All other excuses and reasons for not being evangelistic primarily start with we don't love the lost as much as we love ourselves. We said that there's always room on the boat. That in practicing personal evangelism, we do want this series to become very practical and helpful. And so we were challenged last week to do three things. Number one, to make a list of the lost. I hope that you did that. I hope that you wrote some names down. I hope that those names were on your heart this week. I hope that you thought specifically about those one to five people who are not in the lifeboat. Secondly, we ask you to pray for the lost, to, to go in spiritual battle on behalf of those that are near your heart and certainly near the heart of God and pray for them daily pray personally not just generally for the lost but personally for people that you know who are lost and finally to love the lost to to find practical ways to help to serve to encourage to show love to people. Um, and, and again, we start with that, you know, love, because that's building a foundation. You know, God so loved the world, and it was out of that love that He sent His Son for us. It's out of His love that He redeemed us through His Son Christ Jesus. Today, I want you to think about that in a very personal way as we think about Father's Day and we think about the role of dads. Dads have Lots of jobs i 'm a dad. Uh, we do lots of things uh, we a lot of us are providers uh, we We you know go out, kill something, and drag it home and We provide for the family uh, that 's an important thing by the way. We should not miss, uh, we should not ever take that for granted if you 've got a a man who is uh, going out and providing for your family. Whether you're the he's your dad or your husband, I hope that you take the, the time to thank him for that. He's not going to want, he's not going to ask for your thanks, but a word of appreciation. A lot of times that means getting up early, sometimes that means staying late, uh, sometimes that means going the extra mile, sometimes it means getting up and doing a job that you hate, not because you love the job, but because you love your family. Dads are providers, they're repairmen, they fix things, uh, they're coaches. Um, I watched a video of little Jackson Weber hit a a bomber, you know, and, and I know that his dad was just beaming, you know, looking like he ate a banana sideways, right? Because he was so proud of his son. I know that they have, have Tyler's been coaching him in that. Dad's dads do those kind of things. Dads maybe help you fix cars, maybe they help you buy a car, maybe they teach you to drive. They they teach a lot of things, how to mow a lawn, how to how to do things around the house, how to be a provider. Um, those are all good things. All good jobs that need doing. There is one job. One job. I want you to hold up your finger and say, one job. Oh man, that was that was whew, that was rough. Let's try it again. Hold up your finger, this is your finger, and say one job. Oh, oh that's beautiful. Yeah, much better. There is one job that dads do which surpasses all the others and it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to open your Bible, Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be as kind of the the launching the springboard into This message, it's found on page 1,255 in the Pew Bible. If you don't know where Ephesians 6 is, if you know where Ephesians 6 is, turn to it. Ephesians chapter 6, talking to children and their parents. Children and their parents. And uh, talks first to children to obey their parents. And then he says this, verse 4, Paul writes, Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The fathers have one job, and it is this. It, dads can, can, can bring up professional ballplayers. Dads can bring up national merit finalists. Dads can bring up Broadway stars. Dads can bring up West Point cadets. And we have dads in this audience that have done that and more. And those are all fine things. Nothing wrong with those things. Whether you do those things or not, the scripture reminds us that dads have, what is it? One job. Let's try it again. Scripture reminds us that we have one job, and that is to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, what that means to bring up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And, and, and as per last week, I'm going to give you three practical things, three practical ways that dads, granddads, any type of dad can do this. And this will be a help to you in bringing up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I know on Father's Day, dads give lots, lots of gifts, whether it's a, a new tie, some golf balls, a, a dinner out, some, some smoked meats, or whatever it might be. But of all the gifts that dads receive, the greatest gift that dads give is bringing up their children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So here's, here's three things we're going to talk about just briefly on how you can do that in your household. The first thing you can give your children... Is discipline. Now, discipline is one of those words that a lot of times, and I do this too, when I think of discipline, often I think of punishment. And punishment is a small piece of the pie, but it's not the whole part, okay? It it is a small portion of what discipline means. Discipline, more strictly defined, is training. It might be course correct correction it might be punishment it might be admonishment it might be encouragement but it is that training that is done and 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 note this it's training done out of love proverbs 3:11 and 12 says my son do not despise the lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof does the lord always punish you no that's not a discipline may involve punishment from the lord But it it is more than that. Do not just be. Do not be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Pop quiz for you in here. How many of you have done something dumb? Okay, all right. Most, some of you are fessing up to it. The rest of you are just liars. Okay, we've all done dumb. We've all done dumb things. Someone once said, how do you grow in wisdom? <laughs> by learning from foolish mistakes. We've all done dumb things. And God disciplines us through the consequences of those things. And if we're smart, we'll learn from them. But discipline is a good gift. God gives it to all of us, and fathers should give it to our children. Let me let me give you a little more of an example of what I mean by Discipline. Speaking of dumb, here's my dog, Charlie. I've talked about Charlie before. You know uh, I'm a cold-hearted person. I'm not, you know, but we have Charlie because of my wife's love for animals and our children, they all have warm hearts, not like their father. But here's the fact about dogs or any sort of domestic animal, and that is this, they are obnoxious if they are not trained. There is a difference between a trained animal and an untrained animal. And so in the process of having a dog or any type of animal, I'm not sure if cats are trainable, but I shouldn't have those anyway. Oh man, I'm going to get in trouble for that, I know. Training is this process of teaching the dog to do things that are not of his nature. So... When, when I let Charlie out on the deck, one thing he loves to do, we have a little sidewalk that goes behind our house. And if anybody, dog, human, any, anyone walks on that sidewalk, Charlie's natural, basic instinct is, and that's obnoxious. Okay? There's no reason for that. And so if I continue to let him do that, I'm just letting him disturb the peace and quiet of my neighbor's. Okay, so I need to train him. So I train him. We train him that when he goes outside, doesn't have to bark at everything. And so, it's hilarious. Sometimes I'll sit on the deck and somebody will walk by and he'll look at me and he'll just kind of go, "Who?" <laughs> I know what I should do. I know what I want to do. And there's a difference. But, but training Charlie isn't just a one-time thing. I didn't just do it once and we're done forever. No, it's an ongoing process. Okay, you see Christy here training him uh, not to instantly go for the treat, but to wait until he's given permission. Now, his instinct is to go straight for it. I mean, as soon as he hears that little jar open and he comes a-running, okay? But we have to train him. We have to train him that when people come over not to jump on them. We have to, training is teaching Charlie the discipline to do that which is against his nature. That's a simple example. We understand that. Uh, The same is true with children. Now, children are not animals. That's not what I mean to imply. Well, for the most part. That's not what I mean to imply, but the, the what I'm telling you here is that training is a process over time. If you're writing in your notes, just write training, I'm sorry, discipline equals, it's an equation, instruction line over time. Discipline is instruction over time. Another way to think about this is fathers used to teach children their trades, yeah, okay, when, especially in Jewish culture, if a young man wasn't going to become a rabbi or teacher, he would quickly learn the father's trade. You remember the story of James and John being called, and in Matthew chapter 4, it tells us that they left their father behind. They were in their boats with the father, and they left their father behind. What was happening there? He was, te- the father was teaching them, teaching them the discipline of the trade of fishing, and Jesus called them to be disciples. You notice how similar discipline and disciples are. There's a lesson there. We're, we're not quite there yet. So we've got to be intentional about disciplining our children. And discipline means instruction over time. We have to be diligent about that process. I remember we went to a restaurant and I saw a family there and there was this child and he was, he was holy. And what I mean by that is he was a holy terror. He was he was climbing up all over the the, the the table, he was getting in the blinds in the window next to the to the seat there, he was crawling underneath the table, he was he was spilling his drink, he was being loud, he was screaming and hollering and 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 the the father I felt so bad for the father, he was he was trying, but but he wasn't he wasn't disciplining his son. Everything was a question. This is an interesting thing I've noticed. Some some parents, everything with their child is a question. Hey, hey, buddy, can we do this? Hey guys, how about we? What do you say we? How about we? That's interesting to me. Because fathers fathers have to assert their role in the relationship to be able to discipline. And that means that means you don't ask a child. You, you tell the child what your will is. Now, I'm not being judgmental on, on people with children and going to restaurants and all that. I've been there. Man, it's not easy. But in those moments, especially in those moments, you have to be diligent to discipline your children so that the young man would learn the proper way to behave in a restaurant when you're out in public. That's important. And what the child needed most in that moment was discipline, not a negotiation. But the child wasn't going to learn that. Again, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12 says, or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Good fathers give their children discipline, which is instruction over time. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. If you're following along in your Bible, I hope that you are. It is God's word of instruction. Speaking about discipline, the scripture says much more than I'm going to give here, but just one verse encapsulates it well. For the Lord disciplines. Disciplines those the one who he loves and chastises every son whom he receives the Lord disciplines the one he loves might be punishment might just be correction might be admonishment might be conviction might be something that you needed to hear that was hard to hear but the Lord disciplines his children Because he loves us. When a young family has a little two or three year old, you know they they are all about exploring the world. And at that age, they're able to walk and do a little bit of talking, and they're and they're exploring the world. But if the family doesn't teach the discipline that mom and dad are in charge. One day when the little child's out in the front yard and he goes running toward the street and mom and dad say, stop! In that moment, the question of whether the child learned the lesson of authority will be very important. The father disciplines those whom he loves. If you had a human father. Uh, you, you all had human fathers. <laughs> all of us who've had human fathers. Oh, man. If your father disciplined you, and I'm not talking about abuse, okay? But I mean discipline. He gave you instruction and wisdom and counsel and correction, admonishment, love and encouragement. If he did those things intentionally and purposely, you should thank him. Again, he's not looking for, for that, but you need to know what a blessing that is. He probably doesn't remember it, but I won't forget it. I was writing with Jim Weathers. I think we had gone to lunch or coffee or something. Jim was kind of going through a, a, a change in his journey. And so I was asking him, I said, you know, well, well what's, what's next for you? What, what do you what do, what's next? And, and he just thought for a minute as Jim kind of has you know, a unique way of saying things. And he'll say, well, right now, I'm just focused on being a good dad. Good investment. Wisdom. Last week, I saw Scott Larkham uh, He's here at the back, and he had to take one of his children out. And so afterward, I said, because you know, I made a little comment as he went out, I said, hey... Just want to encourage you. I've been here too. <laughs> you know, I I've, I've been in the, the parenting penalty penalty box, I've been in the <laughs> been in the four year I wondered if I was ever going to experience a full worship service again when the children were younger. But I said what you're doing now is important. I don't know if you can see Scott, but you should take a look at where I'm pointing and just see what Scott's doing. Yeah, he's he's doing well. He's disciplined. That's important, to do, that's important to do with your children is discipline, and that comes from a place of love. Discipline is not easy. Hebrews 12 goes on to tell us this in verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Any discipline, I don't care if you're learning something new, if you're trying to learn to play the guitar, you got to develop those calluses on your finger. If you're trying to learn to play the piano, you got to learn to stretch, and you got to work those fingers. Any discipline, maybe you're trying to get healthy, you're trying to exercise, that's painful if you haven't done it in a long time, or changing your diet, that's painful, it's not easy. No discipline is pleasant in the moment. It seems painful, in fact. But there is a purpose behind it. It is to yield the peace, the fruitful peace of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. Did you catch that? Those who have been trained by it. So young dads, if you're here, I saw several of them taking their children out to children's training hour. You keep doing what you're doing. I know it's hard bringing young children to church. I do. I get it. And when you wake up in the morning, you have a decision to make. But part of discipline, which is instruction over time, part of that discipline is teaching them to worship the Lord, to prioritize the Lord, to love the Lord, to make the Lord and the Lord's people a part of your rhythm and your life. So dads who are here this morning with your young children, thank you and be diligent. And there will come a time when you'll sit through an entire worship service and you'll say, hallelujah. But what you've done well in the intermediate is useful too. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, a well-known scripture. The Jews called it the Shema. We're not going to read that part specifically. But after the reading about loving the Lord with all your God, with all your heart, soul, might, this is page 192 in the Pew Bible. Moses writes, And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them Diligently, It does not say teach them perfectly. Some fathers feel inept and inadequate because they didn't have a good role model. They don't know what to do. They don't feel like they have enough instruction. You don't have to teach perfectly. You have to teach diligently, intentionally to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. The root word in the English, the root word of discipline is the word disciple. Disciple simply means a student. So for getting in the process of training our children, we are doing that intentionally, purposefully, over time. dads, Dads must teach their children important things. I'm in the season of life where I'm, I'm seeing the final approach. I'm seeing the, I feel the plane begin to drop in altitude. I can see the runway in Tyler's life. We're approaching that here in the next two years. I have less than a hundred Saturdays before Tyler, who's behind the camera today, is going off to college. And so I have this sense of urgency of the things that I've not taught him? What are the things that he doesn't know? Because he doesn't know what he doesn't know. It's my job to teach him. And I'm trying to be diligent and purposeful, but I, gotta, I can't let these two years go. It's so important. That's why I'm so thankful for, for things like faith by Phase, which are helpful and useful in teaching parents and training families to be diligent in the matters of importance. Be diligent. And understand that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It means you give great care and consideration to your walk and to your talk. Dads pay attention to your- talk and to your walk. you'll do both. The latter is far more influential you'll You'll say a lot of words as a dad. My children know this, especially kids of preachers, you know uh, I give them what what we call death by lecture. But what makes an impression upon them is not what I say, but what I do. I've got to be diligent about the process of discipline and remember the power of my influence. Secondly, remember to give your children adversity. Um, This is Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, 25 through 29. Says this. This is page 884 in in the Pew Bible. The Lord is good to those that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, for there may yet be hope. It's counterintuitive, but one of the best things, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children when they're younger is adversity. That seems counterintuitive. It doesn't really follow our nature. We want to make our children comfortable. We want to give our children the things we didn't have. We want to give them advantages we didn't get. We want to do those things for our children. But one of the better blessings that you can give your children is adversity. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Brennan, can you come here for a second? I saw you dozing off in the sermon, so come here. No, just teasing. You were doing just fine. Stand right there for me, young man. See, one of the greatest things you can give your children in their walk, my goodness, is some adversity, some trials, some difficulty. It's not always bad to give your children blessing, but we need to give careful consideration. So I want you to hold this bag for just a second, Brennan. And if you can, kind of put it over your shoulder. Cole and Jennifer do a great job of parenting, and one of the things that that I know that they do, that all good parents do from time to time, is fling that over. There we go. All right. Is sometimes they give their children some adversity, which I've represented by these one to two pound landscaping rocks. Okay. Now, what that means is, at a young age, you know, three or four years old, when they can do some things around the house, they're not going to do them perfectly, but they need to learn the responsibility of doing. And so they learn to clean the floors. You guys remember when you broke eggs on the floor? Yeah? Your mama remembers that. But see, she was in the process of trying to teach you something. She was giving you a little bit of adversity. As they get older, you give them a few jobs and a few chores and some things to do. Now, you could just give them that money whenever they ask for it, but if you make them earn it, you're giving them a little bit of adversity. Now, as Brennan grows up, perhaps he's going to get a car, and it would be good for him to have a little bit of skin in the game, to have to maybe pay for part of the car or pay for part of his insurance or pay for the oil changes and things like that. Those, those are good things. If, you want to sell, Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Okay. So it's good for a young man to learn training. How are we doing? Doing okay? It's getting tough, isn't it? <laughs> see, what, what happens here is as parents put a few extra rocks in their children's lives, only this side can see, so I'm going to have you do a 180 so they can all see. So what's happening here is he's been giving a little bit of adversity and over time, that adversity does something, and it's happening right now. Now, Brennan's a strong young man. These he Look at these guns. I mean, I'm telling you, okay? But what's happening is he's carrying this load, is that he's building strength. You see, there's going to come a time when he leaves the home, too, and there's going to be a time when these things are taken off of him, the burdens the adversity that his parents placed in his life, not not to break his spirit, okay, not to hurt him, but to build his strength so that when he leaves the home, he's a strong young man, so that he's strong and he's prepared for the adversity that the world's going to give him. Brendan, thank you so much. Have a seat, buddy. So it's good for parents to give their children and certainly for fathers to give them a little bit of adversity, to put some rocks in the backpack, to make the children pay a bill every now and again, to, to encourage them to work, to, to have them be responsible at home, to let them go through tough things without rescuing them. They're going to go through hard times and you're not always going to be there to rescue them. And if you rescue them every time they go through something hard, what's going to happen? They're not going to grow. They're not going to be prepared. They're not going to be strong. I want you to think about the greatest generation, those born between 1901, 1927. If you were born between 1901 and 1927, would you stand for just a minute this morning? If you were born between 1901 and 1927, would you stand for just a minute? Let's give honor to whom honor is due. Thank you for what you do, and thank you for being as an influential part of of our congregation. You may have a seat. That small group is, is quickly shrinking, not just in our church, but in the world. We call that group the what? The greatest generation. You know why we call them that? Because they, they helped save the world in World War II. How did they do that? Well, they were born in the Depression. They lived through the dirty 30s. They lived through hard times. They went through hard things. God put a lot of rocks in their backpack at a very young age. And they grew strong, and so did our country because of their strength. They were given adversity, not enough adversity to break them, but enough adversity to build them and to give them strength. From a biblical perspective, think of the story of Joseph in Genesis Joseph's adversity in the pit led him to advance to the palace. It was God. God gave him hard things. Proverbs chapter 24, 24, verse 10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You see, as a dad, one of the greatest things you can give your children is some adversity. Why? Because adversity builds strength. Adversity builds character. So let us be intentional. I'm not saying break their spirits, but build their strength. Get them ready, dads. That's one of the things that you do well. Number three, give your children direction. Proverbs twenty two six is train up a child in the way he should go, verse so known so well that we almost don't even pay attention to it. Proverbs twenty two six. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Children need your direction, Dads. You know why? Because children are aimless. Children are half brained. I, I don't mean that to insult you. I mean like Literally, your brain is still forming. It's not all the way there yet. Did you guys went on a guy's retreat this weekend? Did you, did you do anything kind of stupid that you shouldn't talk about here? Yeah, yep. <laughs> One of them's honest. Okay, why is that? Because their brains are not fully formed. That's okay. They need a little Training, they need a little direction. Jeff does a good job of that. Their dads do a good of job a job of that. We need to be intentional about church, about giving our children direction, and certainly dads need to take the attitude of Joshua. Joshua chapter twenty four says for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Your children need lots of direction and lots of things, from the very basics like brushing your teeth and combing your hair, and and opening the door for uh, someone, and having manners, and 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 having a good work ethic, and and saying yes sir and no sir, and and those are all kinds of important things. But those aren't the big things. My grandpa Levering, who's now deceased, uh, told the story that when he was a young man, he went to work for a kind of a cantankerous old neighbor farmer uh, who needed some help, who'd ask him to help. And so, boy, went over to help him, and he worked all day. He worked hard. He shoveled the barns, and he, he fed the animals, and he bucked bales, and he he just did all the work that needed to be done. And at the end of the day, the cantankerous old farmer uh, paid him a wage. And, and I can't remember the precise amount, but I want to say, I mean, even for that, Time it was insultingly low it was miserly this farmer had taken advantage of him and grandpa was really he, he was respectful but he was real mad about it and he walked home and he was, he was just hot under the collar and he, and he went and talked to his dad great grandpa Alan and he told him the whole story and dad I did this and that and this and that and he only paid me let's say it was a quarter And Grandpa Allen just listened and nodded, listened and nodded. And when Grandpa Hoy was done, my great Grandpa Allen just looked at him and said, Well, son, did you agree on a wage before you did the job? Grandpa Hoy said, "Uh, Well, no, I didn't think about it. I didn't think of it. Great Grandpa Allen said, Let that be a lesson to you. Now, you see, that was a lesson in adversity, but in the adversity, he gave him direction. Grandpa Hoy never forgot that lesson for the rest of his life. It impressed him so much that he carried it with him in his heart, and he explained it to me as a young man. And I'm telling it all to you. That's a direction that great-grandpa Alan gave him. There are all sorts of lessons like that. But mostly, your children need to be directed toward God. Because they have sinful and wicked hearts. Do not let them follow their hearts. Do not get them in the word. Teach them to follow God's heart. Be a man or a young lady after God's own heart. They need to be directed to the Lord. Dads, bring up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Be diligent in doing that here, but also at home. Give them discipline, training, instruction over time. Give them adversity. Let them have a little skin in the game. Let them have a little hardship. Let them learn some lessons of life, not to break their spirit, but to build strength within them and give them direction and point them not to you, Oh, there'll be enough like you, (laughs) but point them to the heavenly father. When Tyler was younger, sometimes I would be trying to explain something to him, which I do a lot of. And and there came a time when I, and I would always get down right here, and I would try to get at his level to explain it to him. And sometimes he'd look off this way and look off that way, and so... So I would I would grab his little face and I would turn it and say, look at your father. Now he learned the lesson quite well. When he would try to get my attention, <laughs> sometimes he'd grab my face and say, Dad, look at me. The best thing fathers can do is to teach their children to look at their father. To seek their father. To worship the father. To love the father. And someday when you dads leave this world, and hopefully before, they, hopefully before your children do, they'll have a father who will carry them all the way. May we bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Lead your children to the father. Get them in the lifeboat of Jesus. It's important. Maybe the most important thing you do. Hope the, if you have not entered into the lifeboat of Jesus and you need to do that this morning, you're ready to confess faith in Christ, to repent of sin, to put him on in baptism. We have some elders at the back. You can go to during this next song. They will be glad to receive you. They'll be glad to help you. And they'll be glad to show you the direction to the Father, the only way of which is through Jesus the Christ. And maybe you've been derelict in your duty as a dad. Maybe you've not been doing the things you should. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask an elder to pray with you. They'd be glad to do that as well. Whatever your spiritual need might be, whatever it is, won't you respond now at the back as together we stand in sync.